Hey church family, so good to be with you again on this Sunday for worship and uh, even though it's not in-person fellowship, we're still fellowshipping and worshiping together online and we're so glad that you've joined us. Just a reminder, as I've mentioned the last few weeks or several weeks now, we have been worshiping outside at the church and behind the church in the church parking lot out back and we'd love to have you join us, but uh, if you're not quite comfortable, that's okay too. Uh, we're, we're enjoying meeting together, but we know not everyone is, is quite comfortable yet with that. And so we are excited that whether you are joining us in person or online, that we are getting together and worshiping God together and excited that you're with us this morning to, to share in that worship of God together with us. I heard a story about a husband and wife who had been married for 60 years, and in those 60 years, they shared everything with each other. They kept no secrets from each other except for one thing. The wife kept a shoebox in their closet, never telling her husband what was inside the shoebox. Well, one day, unfortunately, the wife got uh, very sick and the doctor told the husband that she was not going to recover. And the wife, not wanting to, to keep any secrets any longer from her husband, decided to tell her husband about the shoebox. And so she told him to go get it and to bring it to her. And so he went and got it and brought it to her. And when he went to open the box, inside the box, he found two crochet dolls and a stack of money amounting to about $75,000. So seeing the very confused look on her husband's face, the wife decided to go ahead and explain the contents of the box to him. And she said, well, when we were to be married, my grandmother explained to me or told me that the secret to a happy married life was to avoid argument as much as possible. And so if I ever got angry with you, she told me that I should keep quiet and just crochet a doll. Well, the husband looking down in the box was so moved almost to tears because in the box he only saw two precious dolls, and so he thought to himself that she had only been angry with him. How amazing that in all their years of loving and living that she had only been angry with him two times. Then he thought a little bit more about it, and he said, well, honey, that, that explains the dolls, but what about all the money in the box? Where did that all come from? And the wife just smiled, and she said, oh... That's the money I made from selling all the other dolls. <laughs> well, speaking of letting go of secrets, that really leads us into our lesson today. Over the past several weeks, we've been in the midst of a series called Unashamed. Unashamed. And really that comes out of the Apostle Paul's words in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where he says this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is from, by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Well, so far in our series, we, we started off by looking at that word ashamed and what it meant for Paul in his day, but also what it means for us today. How do we live with that mentality of not being ashamed? And what are some of the reasons that we are ashamed? Then we spent some time talking about the word gospel and what that means and all that the word gospel entails, that it is good news and we should be about declaring the good news. And then last week, we spent some time looking at an encounter 
between Jesus and two of his disciples. And we looked at some practical principles for cultivating some gospel-centered conversations in our lives with the people around us. And really, we only scratch the surface when it comes to to sharing the gospel in many ways because there's so much practically that we could talk about when it comes to us sharing our faith and, and being witnesses for Jesus Christ. But today, I want us to look at another story in Scripture that I think has some powerful lessons for us when it comes to not being Ashamed, and I want to look. I want us to look at this story not so much for the purpose of, of of getting a few more tips, but really for the purpose of us seeing what it looks like in the life of a of a person, the spirit that they have of not being ashamed. So not just so much the tips, but the spirit of living life unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we find this man's story in Matthew chapter twenty-seven. So starting in verse fifty-seven. Matthew writes, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. And going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and then he went away. It's been said that one of the greatest things about the Bible is that it's shallow enough for a baby to wade in, and yet it's also deep enough for an elephant to drown in. And sometimes when you read passages like this, it's easy to kind of overlook it and think, well, how big of a deal is this? I mean, I know it's information and it's not like it's unimportant, but how big of a deal is it really? At best, it's just kind of a segue between the story of Jesus dying on the cross and the story of him being raised from the dead. But there's so much more to this little passage than just what meets the eye. In fact, Paul actually considered Jesus' burial as one of the most important aspects of the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. What was of first importance? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried... And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. It's an important enough aspect for Paul to speak of it in that way. As of first importance, of utmost importance. And Joseph of Arimathea played a small part in what turned out to be the greatest event and most important event in human history. He has no recorded lines and yet what he did speaks volumes and his actions still speak to us today about what it means to have that spirit of being unashamed. So let me just give you a few things right out of his life when it comes to this idea of being unashamed. First of all, Joseph's life shows us that not being ashamed, being unashamed, means making a move that destroys the secret. Unashamed means making a move that destroys the secret. Joseph of Arimathea's story is found not only here in in Matthew where we just read, but it's found actually in all four of the Gospels. And there's some important aspects to his life that are, 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 are helpful for us to understand. For one, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. You say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, the Sanhedrin were basically the power brokers in the Jewish religious world. They were the ones who were actually behind the plot to have Jesus killed. And Joseph of Arimathea was a member. And most of them believed that Jesus was a false messiah and a blasphemer 
which is why they sought to have him put to death. But what's interesting is that when Luke tells the story of Joseph of Arimathea in Luke chapter 23, Luke includes the detail that Joseph did not consent to their decision about Jesus or to their actions in regard to Jesus. He didn't, he didn't agree. He didn't go along. But at the same time, he wasn't exactly outspoken either. Because John tells us in John chapter 19, verse 38, that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. He was a disciple, but he was a secret disciple out of fear. And so when we look at, at Joseph of Arimathea's life, I, I think we see the journey of a man that a lot of us can relate to. It was a journey in which he was gradually coming out of the shadows when it came to his allegiance to Jesus Christ. Because while he didn't consent to the decision to crucify Jesus, he wasn't exactly outspoken about it at the time either. But once he made the move to go before Pilate and to ask for Jesus' body, he began to, to destroy the secrecy of him being a disciple. Because understand that the Jews didn't take too kindly to someone being buried in honor, somebody or someone burying someone in honor, someone who was a, a blasphemer and a false Messiah. In their minds, Jesus didn't deserve his own tomb. What he deserved was to be thrown into Gehenna, the, the city garbage dump and fire pit that was outside of the city, and for his body to be left there to rot and to burn. It was an offensive thing for Joseph to bury Jesus with that kind of honor in his own tomb. And by the way, Rome didn't take too kindly to it either because they didn't like anyone being thought of as, as the son of a God or as Lord other than Caesar. And so when Jesus, or excuse me, when Joseph asks for the body of Jesus, it's risky business, but business, both in regard to his relationship with the Jews and in regard to his relationship with Rome. But when he took that step, he was destroying the secret. Speaking of that phrase in John chapter 19 about Joseph being a disciple in secret, in, in many ways, that's really an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp or uh, exact estimate or freezer burn, or for you parents, you can sympathize with this, childproof, right? Th th those are oxymorons, but you, you know what an oxymoron is. It's, it's, it's two contradictory terms, and the reality is that secret disciple is an oxymoron. Those are two contradictory terms. They can't truly exist Together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, ultimately there's no such thing as secret Christianity, for either the secret will destroy the Christianity, or the Christianity will destroy the secret. And it leads me to ask myself a question, and really all of us a question, what have you done lately to destroy the secret and to claim Christ before others? Not for your sake or to prove anything about yourself, but, but for their sake. Because as we talked about the very first week of this series, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, we owe it to them. We owe it to them to share it with them because of the difference that it makes. Reminds me of the story of a new believer who gave his life to Jesus Christ and he was just so overwhelmed with joy and excitement that he just started telling 
everybody he knew about Jesus and about the newfound life that he, that he had in him. Of course, he didn't know any better, right? Because he hadn't hung out with enough of us Christians to know any better, right? We, we, but seriously, he, just, he started telling everybody about Jesus, his friends, his family, his co-workers. One day he told his, his neighbor, because they were both outside in their yards working on their lawns, and his neighbor said to him, man, that is awesome. I've been a Christian for like 30 years. And this new believer looked at him and, and not in any kind of condescending way, but he just said to him, you, he said, wow, you mean to tell me that, you, that I've lived next door to you for 10 years and I never knew you were a Christian. Of all the things to keep confidential in life, the good news of Jesus Christ is not one of them. But there's something else we learn about the spirit of not being ashamed. Secondly, unashamed means leveraging what we have to get in a position to honor Jesus. It means leveraging what we have to get in a position to honor Jesus. Not everybody could get an audience with Pilate. I mean, you couldn't just walk in there. It's like, you know, it's easy to read this story and we think that Joseph just kind of walked into Pilate's office and he's like, yeah, can you go get Pilate for me? You know, just, just go run and get him. I need to talk to him for you know, just a minute about something. You know, just, just go run and get him. Not everybody could do that. No, nobody could do that. But, but not everybody just automatically got an audience with Pilate. Do you know how he got in to see Pilate? Because he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, and because he was a wealthy man. And Joseph leveraged his position of influence and, influence and his resources in order to get in a position to be able to ask for the body of Jesus so that he could give Jesus an honorable burial. So let me ask you a question. What does it mean for you to use the position you have, the resources you have, the influence you have, even as little as you feel like you may have? What does it look like for you to use the opportunity that you have to get in a position to claim Christ and to honor him? Because every single one of us, no matter how young or old, poor or wealthy or whatever label you want to put out there, every single one of us has something, some kind of influence, some kind of resource, some kind of position that we can use for the purpose of claiming Christ and bringing honor to him. Joseph uses his position and his influence to get before Pilate, to ask for the body of Jesus to give him a proper and honorable burial. That convicts me. So what does it mean for you to use those things in such a way to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ? And when you think about it, I mean, didn't Jesus leverage everything he had for our sake? I mean, is there any greater example of someone who used his position and his resources and his influence for someone else's sake more than Jesus did for you and me. And so what is it that you have that you can use to bring honor and glory to him? Third, along those lines, not being unashamed means surrendering what is ours for the purposes of Jesus. Surrendering what is ours, even, even things we may have reserved for ourselves, surrendering them, for the purposes of Jesus. Joseph took Jesus's body and placed it in his very own new tomb. Now, most people couldn't afford a tomb, much less their own tomb, but Joseph is wealthy enough that he can afford one all by himself. 
And not only from a wealth standpoint, but also from like a social standpoint to be able to get that piece of land. But Joseph takes this tomb, his very own tomb, and he places Jesus in it. He took something that was his very own, that was for him to be buried in honor and dignity. And instead, he buries Jesus in it. So let me ask you, what is it in your life that you've got reserved for yourself that needs to be surrendered for his purposes? Because let me tell you, if you will allow Jesus to be placed right in the center of it, he'll do something a lot more meaningful and redemptive and eventful than anything you or I could ever do with it. Just like he did with Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Which leads me to number four. Being unashamed means putting Jesus where he belongs and letting God take care of the rest. It means putting Jesus right where he belongs and trusting God to take care of the rest. It's prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus would be buried with the rich. Now, I don't know if Joseph of Arimathea knew that he was fulfilling that prophecy or not, but he was. And in a very real sense, practical sense, he was putting Jesus right exactly where he belonged. And the Spirit of God took over from there. You know, I I probably don't need to tell you this, but, but Joseph couldn't raise Jesus from the dead. In fact, I'm not sure he expected Jesus to be raised from the dead at all. Nobody saw it coming. He he simply was working with the knowledge he had, doing the best that he could and offering the best that he could for the greatest of all. I like what Oswald Chambers said, my utmost for his highest. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He placed Jesus right where he belonged and he let God do the rest. Your calling and my calling is to place Jesus right where he belongs and to trust God to do the rest. And where does Jesus belong? He belongs on the tip of my tongue that's rooted out of the overflow of my heart and at the center of my life. That's where he belongs. And when I put Jesus where he belongs on the tip of my tongue and at the center of my life, God will take care of the rest. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. In other words, when Jesus walked out of that tomb, that was God's validation that Jesus truly was the Son of God. That was God's stamp. Boom. This is my Son. I'm validating him. This is my son. I sent him. He really did die for your sins. And the point is that it was God who validated Jesus, not Joseph and not any of us. God validated him. Joseph simply put Jesus where he belonged and God did the rest. That's why circling all the way back to the, the foundation of this series, Paul says in Romans chapter one, Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of Josh for the salvation of everyone who believes. No, the gospel is the power of God. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's not your delivery. It's not your articulation of the gospel, your knowledge of the gospel that is the power. The gospel is the power. It's the content, not the container. You put Jesus where he belongs 
and God will take care of the rest. Speaking of putting Jesus where he belongs, lastly, unashamed means allowing Jesus to take the lead. Allowing Jesus to take the lead. Joseph stepping forward and claiming the body of Jesus and and, and putting Jesus in his very own tomb in many ways is really a picture of everyone who claims Christ. When you claim Christ, Jesus goes before you in your place. That was Joseph's tomb for himself. And yet when he claimed Christ, Christ went before him in his place. And that's true in a couple of different ways. First, Jesus goes before you in a sense of this life. He goes before you in self-denial. He, he's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done for you. But as we follow him, he leads us through that denial of ourselves and out to a whole new way of life on the other side. But even more than that, he goes before you in a sense of after this life. When you allow Jesus to take the lead, he literally goes before you into death. And one day he'll, he'll lead each of us through death and into truly a whole new way of life, an expression of life on the other side. He goes to the tomb first. He faces the judgment of God on our behalf and he passes through on the other side and he'll see to it that you get through to a whole new way of life on the other side as well. So will you allow Jesus to take the lead? Because he's the only one who's ever come back to life from his own tomb. Nobody else has. That's why Jesus is the way and not just a way. Because there aren't any other ways that will see you through to life on the other side. And here's the deal. Even though Jesus has already gone ahead of us into death, burial, and resurrection, he invites us to meet him there. In fact, that's how we enter into a relationship with him. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter six. Check this out. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And so Jesus has gone ahead of us into death, burial, and resurrection. And he invites us to meet him there as we give our lives to him and are baptized into him. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and been baptized into him and raised to walk a new life, I hope you'll make that decision, make that choice to do just that. And let Jesus take the lead in your life. Or maybe this series being what it's been about, maybe you need to let Jesus take the lead when it comes to you being a more effective witness for him in your life, in your relationships. When it comes to you destroying the secret in your own life. Maybe it's time to let Jesus take the lead in that area of your life. To not be ashamed but to step out and to claim him. Let me tell you, there are all kinds of ways that you and I can step out and step up and make a claim to Christ. And when you do, you can trust that God will take care of the rest.
So what do you say? We start destroying the secret.